Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. When we are led by the Holy Spirit of God, He will definitely be evident in our lives. And you know what? The reverse is true, too. If I'm not being led by the Spirit, then He's not going to be so evident in my life. We can look at a believer and say, man, he, he doesn't walk like a believer, doesn't talk like a believer. Well, he's probably being led by the flesh. Can you still be a believer and be led by the flesh? Shake your heads, because you definitely can. If you're not listening to the Spirit, If you're not being led by the Spirit, guys, we're being led by the world or we're being led by the flesh. And you know what? That's a choice we make. Not just every day, but every moment of the day. Today, Pastor David discusses living our lives by God's Word or by our own flesh. Which one do you think will produce the peace and love Jesus offers in your life? God's Word isn't meant to inhibit your life, but to enrich it. He gave you rules and laws to follow because he knows your life will be much more fruitful if you abide by them. Pastor David wants to remind you that choosing to follow Jesus isn't a one-time deal, but something you must do each day and sometimes multiple times a day. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 4 as he begins his message, False Teachers and Brotherly Love. We've talked as we've been here that throughout the book of 1 John has a a multitude of tests uh, as we're reading through and as we're studying. These are tests that uh, John says that we need to be taking ourselves. So if you take out a pen or a pencil and a paper, we're going to do that test. No, uh, it's actually as we go through this, we're going to, uh, I'll remind you of those, those tests, the three primary tests that we looked at on this. The first one is the moral test. And again, John speaks in several instances that a, a believer's life should look like he's a believer. Uh, We ought to be living like we are children of God, not children of the devil. There ought to be that change within our moral makeup. The moral test causes us to look at our actions, both public and private, to see really who we are, to determine whether we are being led by the Holy Spirit of God, or are we continually only led by our flesh or by the world. That's the moral test. The second test that uh, we look and see is the social test. Beyond our own personal actions and our our inner workings, the the social test actually looks directly at how we treat other people, and in particular, how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're going to be looking at that some tonight in chapter 4. As a matter of fact, about a dozen times within just this short book, this five chapters of 1 John, uh, John makes a statement similar to the one where he makes where he says, he who does not love his brother abides in death. I mean, he, he doesn't soft soap it at all. He just said, man, if you're not loving your brother, the truth's not in you. 
You're not being obedient to God. You're, you abide in death. That's part of the social test. And then the third test is the doctrinal test. And the doctrinal test, it matters, guys. It matters what you believe. It matters, as, uh, again, the, the things of who God is, who Jesus Christ is. And if you don't believe the truth about who God is and who Jesus Christ is, John is very clear in here where he says, if you don't believe this, you're of the Antichrist and the truth is not in you. And so as we get into chapter four, again, we're going to see once again, that test also stated really clearly to us. But before we get into chapter four, I want to back up just a a verse or so, actually into verse 24 of chapter three, actually tag that into the context of chapter four. So verse 24 of chapter 3, we're going to bring it into the context of chapter 4. As a matter of fact, a lot of the Bible publishers, your Bible with you tonight, might already kind of place uh, verse 24 into the context of chapter 4. But let's look at what it says. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24, John writes, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. Let me bring it to the context. You as an individual... As you keep God's commandments, you're abiding in God, and God is in you, okay? And then he goes on, by this we know that God abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. Now this particular test is more along the lines of what we would look at as, as the moral test. Again, are, are, are you doing what you ought to be doing as a believer? Are you doing what Jesus says you and I ought to be doing when we say that I have decided to follow Jesus, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, I'm walking with Jesus. Are you living that kind of life and is it apparent in your life? Uh, are, Are you keeping the commandments? Because he says, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. So God abiding in me. Now, I don't obey in order to become a believer. You need to understand that very clear. You don't obey in order to become a believer. You obey because you are a believer. A lion can't walk around going, with the hopes of becoming a sheep. It's just not going to work. You've got to be a sheep. And the only way you are made a sheep is by the power of God, by the purpose design of God. Again, in my obedience to the one who I've surrendered my life to, in my obedience to his call in my life, his spirit in my life, That's a demonstration of God's Spirit working inside of me. Now, the Holy Spirit, I want want to be very clear here. The Holy Spirit dwells in every believer's life. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Word of God says that God has placed His Spirit within you. As a matter of fact, I want to give you a couple of verses here, and you can write them down, or you can turn there if you're quick, but I'm not going to wait for you. Uh, So write them down. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul writes, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. We have some friends who are 
selling a house right now. Uh, the individual has said, yes, I really want to buy your house. They had been given a date to put the down payment on that house. They have not put the down payment yet on that house. Now, how sure would you be that that individual is going to buy your house if they haven't given the down payment? Not very sure at all. But once they make that down payment, particularly if that down payment is a sizable one, then you have a pretty good guarantee that what they said that they would do, they would do. God has given to us the Holy Spirit as that guarantee or as that deposit, that down payment of what he's going to fulfill and complete in our lives. I don't know about you, but I think that's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big deal. When God says, look, I am giving you the Holy Spirit as a seal. As, man, this, this is like the signet ring of my promise. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit uh, as a guarantee. Paul also tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, down in verse 13, he says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's for every believer. You have been sealed by the promise of God by giving you the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Guys, we're not there yet. Every one of us are, are living and working on faith in the promise of God. We, we have not received all that's going to be yet. We are going on the promise of God and by his Holy Spirit within our life, that is the guarantee, again, that he will complete it. He will go all the way to the point of redeeming that purchased possession, which is you and I. Paul also tells us in Romans chapter 8, in verse 9, he says, but you are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then he says, now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So in other words, you cannot say, well, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but you know I've not ever received the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way. Now, you might say, well, we look at Acts at the beginning. That was the beginning change. That was the change that was going on, a dynamic spiritual change in everything that was going on in the birth of the church. But for right now, we know that when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and abides in us. And if we do not have that spirit within us, we are not believers. He tells us also in Romans 8, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So there is that continual checkpoint of the Spirit of God working with our spirit. Have you had a hard day anytime this week? Yeah, a couple of us have. We, we know that. And there are times in our lives, man, we wonder, man, I don't know if God's listening to me. I don't even know if I'm really in touch with God. But you know what? It's the work of the Spirit that draws us back to Him, revealing Himself, giving us, again, that word of encouragement, that, that peace that passes all understanding. When we can get our eyes off of our present circumstances and look to Him, then again, His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Paul agrees with the words of the Apostle John as John writes about the Holy Spirit 
working in our lives, that's the evidence, that's the witness that we are children of God. When we're led by the Holy Spirit of God, he will definitely be evident in our lives. I want to say that sentence again. When we are led by the Holy Spirit of God, he will definitely be evident in our lives. And you know what? The reverse is true too. If I'm not being led by the Spirit, then he's not going to be so evident in my life. We can look at a believer and say, man, he he doesn't walk like a believer, doesn't talk like a believer. Well, he's probably being led by the flesh. Can you still be a believer and be led by the flesh? Shake your heads. Because you definitely can. If you're not listening to the Spirit, if you're not being led by the Spirit, guys, we're being led by the world or we're being led by the flesh. And you know what? That's a choice we make. Not just every day, but every moment of the day. We may get up in the morning, we pray, Father, lead me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Make your Holy Spirit real and true to me in every step of the way. And then I get out of bed and I stub my toe and I I spill the coffee and my car doesn't work and this happens and that happens. Pretty soon, man, I'm not listening to the Spirit. I've gotten in the flesh and I'm frustrated and suddenly I'm being led by the flesh. That's why we moment by moment need to make sure we are being led by the Spirit, in order that He might be evident in our life. There's no doubt, again, that some are being led by a Spirit other than the Holy Spirit. And as we move into chapter 4 here, John actually brings that warning again to those that may sound like they're believers, but in reality they're being led by another Spirit, actually the the Spirit of Antichrist. Here we're going to see the strongest Uh, of one of the doctrinal tests. It's in essence, what do you believe about Jesus? Look here in verse 1 of chapter 4. Verse 1, John chapter 4, 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the spirit is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Now, John's writing 2,000 years ago. He said the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. Guess what? He's still here today. He's still here today and hard at work. Now, you need to understand, John isn't just concerned about having the the correct verbiage or the correct words in a declaration of faith. In other words, it's not just that you say, okay, um, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Wow, you must be of God. The fact is, anybody can say that. It's much more than just speaking that word. You've got to understand, John is saying much more than, than just making a declaration. He's talking about it in their life. The battle John was fighting in his day is, is actually threefold. First of all, the battle was, or the question that came to the church, to many believers in that day, were those that were coming in and testing or pushing the point Did Jesus actually have a flesh and blood body? 
There were many during that time, again, the, uh, the, that believed, no, he, was, he didn't really have a real flesh and blood body. It was just almost like, an, like, a, like a spirit that was there that kind of revealed himself to people. And again, if you look at that and you follow that through, suddenly you realize, man, there's a lot wrong with that doctrine that suddenly, again, our whole redemption is at stake with that because can a spirit make the payment for our sin? The second thing that he was battling or that the church was battling and that John was writing against is the question, is Jesus really and truly the flesh and blood revelation of God himself? In other words, is he deity? Is Jesus deity? It's a big question. It's a big question even today. And we're going to look at it in a moment. The third thing, was Jesus Christ at the beginning Christ, or did the Spirit of Christ descend upon him at his baptism and then leave him at his crucifixion? Again, uh, a teaching that was going on at that time and even today, it's a battle that goes on within the hearts and minds of some people. All three of these doctrinal issues were coming against the church in John's day. And unfortunately, gang, the battle still rages on today. John was affirming the very statements he made in his gospel account. Remember in his gospel, back in the gospel according to John, he made it so clear in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, the logos, okay? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. What does that tell you? That the Word was deity. The Word was divine. And you might say, okay, well, the Word was divine, but what does that have to do with Jesus? Well, you need to go down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No, John was writing about Jesus at the very first. The Word was at the beginning. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus was God. John made that statement in his gospel. Now he's here in these epistles. He's reaffirming that fact. Jesus Christ came to earth via human flesh as he was born of Mary. He had real flesh and blood from the beginning, the very reality of Emmanuel, God with us. He was Christ actually before his birth. He is Christ who was crucified. He is Christ who died. He was Christ who was buried. Now he is risen. Now he is ascended into heaven at the side of the Father. The Christ consciousness, as some say, or the spirit of Christ did not come upon him. He has always been one with the Father. We clearly read through the gospel record, actually how the Jews sought to kill Jesus. Why were they seeking to kill Jesus? Because they said that he was blaspheming. They didn't kill him because of miracles. They didn't even kill him because of his teachings. Again, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, you look at that, well, what is there there to kill somebody about? No, they wanted to kill him because, as John tells us, they said, for he was making himself equal with God. 
Jesus himself declaring that he is equal with God. Jesus himself continually making statements such as, I and the Father are one. Jesus himself who says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 speaks of Jesus who being in the very form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That's why the Jews crucified Jesus because Jesus says that he is God. When he spoke the very words, I am, the power of those words to any knowledgeable Jew goes all the way back to the burning bush and Moses. Whom shall I say has sent me? Tell them I am the self-existent one. And when Jesus used those words, man, they fell back. It it blew them away. These and a multitude of other scriptures bring in the testimony of the deity of Jesus Christ. And if an individual doesn't catch this, because this is very important when witnessing to neighbors, friends, families, somebody on the street you meet, whatever it might be. If an individual does not believe that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh, then that individual and his doctrine are of the spirit of Antichrist. You cannot get around it. Not when John writes it here in 1 John. It doesn't matter how devout, it doesn't matter how good, it doesn't matter how moral they are, they have a wrong belief, and therefore they cannot be truly of God or followers because they're listening either to false prophets or they just believe, again, in, in false teachings, again, that come from the spirit of Antichrist. Let me give you a couple of examples that some of you are very familiar with. From their own website, the Jehovah's Witness declare on their website, we do not worship Jesus as we do not believe that he is Almighty God. End of discussion at that point in time. Oh, yeah, but we're good. We, we're concerned about this. You're following the wrong Jesus. As a matter of fact, you're following the wrong God. And at that point in time, because they believe in these other writings, beloved, they are listening to the very spirit of Antichrist. And they are being led that way. They are false teachers, and they are covered again by the spirit of Antichrist. Those who believe this stuff and follow their doctrine, they cannot please God. Give that to you again. If they believe and follow the Jehovah's Witness doctrine, the doctrine that they state themselves, they cannot please God and they cannot keep his commandments. Therefore, the Holy Spirit does not abide in them. They may be good, they may be moral, they may be devout, they may again have a great passion, but beloved, They are going the wrong way and the wrong path. Here's one that's familiar with some of you. According to the Latter-day Saints, the LDS and the Mormons, in both the books Mormon Doctrine and Gospel Through the Ages, they believe that Jesus and Satan are spirit brothers and sons of God. In the officially accepted doctrinal statements brought out by Gospel Through the Ages, one of their publications, Gospel Principles, Mormon Doctrine, and Journal of Discourses. You familiar with any of those? Yeah, all of them, yeah. 
They teach how God put forth his plan of salvation for the world, and Satan also proposed his own plan. Thanks for joining Pastor David today to study the letters of the Apostle John here on The Open Word. Though our program will come to an end today, your time in God's Word can continue uninterrupted. In fact, we encourage you to study today's passage on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak through what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you can find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday for our weekly gatherings at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find service times and directions by clicking the church link at theopenword.com. Before our time is up with you today, we'd like to turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray, too, for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially need prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts will be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Thank you for praying, and thank you for being a listener to The Open Word. It's